You know, every time we open the scriptures, there is an opportunity for us to hear from God. And I do wonder sometimes why people come to church. And of course, we come for all different reasons. Um, But I want you to understand this morning, my heart's desire is that you will encounter God in these next few moments. And you'll encounter him speaking something into your life that maybe you didn't even realize you needed. Because when we open the scriptures and when we allow them to speak into our lives, the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to do some transforming work. I've written a good sermon today. It's a good one. I can say that, you know. Sometimes I think, oh, that's okay. This morning it's good. But to be honest, it means nothing unless you allow the Spirit to speak to you and transform you. It could be a terrible sermon. It could be really bad and really badly written and really badly researched. But if God speaks to you through it, it's worth it. Are you, are you open? Maybe even now you could just pray a prayer. Lord, let me be open to what you're going to say to me today. I want to be transformed. I, I must admit I'm feeling the pressure. Like I've got this sermon next week and then I won't be preaching for three months, at least here. Hebrews is uh, a fantastic and a wonderful book. Next week, I'm going to be preaching on my favourite scripture in the whole of the Bible. Uh, My favourite, my life passage. And the reason it's my life passage, well, you'll find out next week. But it speaks to me and challenges me and encourages me around something I really struggle with. This morning, as we look at this piece of scripture, it's such an encouragement. And I wonder if you would say to me, I'm really tired. (laughs) The funny thing about the Bible is it has something to say if you look about everything. Every aspect of your life, it's actually got something to say to you. And if you're feeling tired this morning, it's actually got a word for you. Uh, And we were discussing this in our staff meeting and I was telling them what I envisaged, envisaged the title of my message today would be. And the message's title is, Jesus is greater than your tiredness. And there was a little bit of a reaction in the room and people were saying, that's a very unusual title to say, Jesus is greater than your tiredness. And we sort of discussed around how sometimes in churches, you know, are you tired? Well, you need to do more. You need to work harder. You need to be involved more and sign up more. And we need to pile some more things onto you, some more responsibilities. You're feeling tired? Well, cop this, add this. And of course, we read the Bible, and that's nothing like what Jesus said at all. And we're going to get to that at the very end. But if you're tired this morning, I think there might be something here for you. And I wonder if, fact, if even you're tired of being a Christian, you're tired of church, and you're tired of Jesus, and you're tired of all the stuff. And I wonder if, in fact, you're here just because, well, maybe there'll be something there this week. But I'm tired of it all. And I'm done. And I feel I'm done. I say that because last time I took long service, and I'm not going to give you therapy on the stage. That's the worst thing I could do. But I want to tell you about something that happened last time I took long service. And I tell you this because... 
Someone I really respect said this week, people will get more out of your weakness than what they will get out of your strength. And they'll understand and relate to you more in your weakness than what they will in your victory. I could tell you plenty of victory stories. But I wonder if you're tired this morning. I want to tell you a story about a time I was really tired. And it's just a short story. But it was about 10 years ago before I took my last long service leave. I've been here a while, people. But about 10 years ago... I was preaching on a stage dissimilar to this one and about to take my long service leave and someone came up to my wife and they said, Mark just is not himself, is he? He's like tired and almost depressed. And I was preaching that day and I thought I was doing okay but obviously it was showing because the feeling I had... We hadn't moved into this building. We hadn't done the things that I thought God had called us to. And I was just tired. In fact, the feeling I had was just actually of numbness. I didn't feel anything. Like I wasn't like, you know, really, really depressed, although probably I was depressed, but I wasn't like really, really sad, and I, but I wasn't joyful. And... <laughs> There's a line of a song that's just come to my mind where the singer says, even food doesn't taste that good. <laughs> and that was actually where I was at. And I just felt nothing. Why do I say that? I want you to feel, don't feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm feeling really good today and I'm entering into long service for three months. It's going to be amazing. But because I was then a pastor and a Christian and a believer... And I believed in the scriptures and I believed in their power. I believed, I still believed all the things. But I was tired. And I was almost done. And so I wonder if you're tired this morning. And I wonder if for some of you, you're almost done. Done with church, done with Jesus. Done with so many things. There's a word for you today. As Shell has already shared with us, thanks for pinching all my sermons, Shell. Uh, the passage starts off with the analogy of a race, of a runner, of an athlete. And of course, when I look at that passage, the athlete, the runner, I think, oh, of course, I relate to this passage. This passage is all about me. No one's listening. I've got a picture I want to show you. There are two types of people in the world. There are those people who eat a large pizza with fries, coke and dessert and they look like that. There's other people in the world who breathe around someone eating chocolate and they look like that. Now you have no prizes for guessing which category I fall into. Uh, but I'm not a runner. Uh, and so when we get to this piece of scripture and we think about running and the analogy of running... It's not necessarily something that I can totally relate to, but I will give you a story about my athletic prowess in a minute. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at not the whole passage. Man, if I could tell you to... Uh, if you've been a Christian for a while and I could say, uh, read, this by, read this section of the scripture, read the book of Hebrews and read it slowly. Ha chapter 12, I cannot possibly cover everything in this chapter. So I'm just going to pick a few verses and encourage you to read the rest yourself. I'm going to read two more parts after this one. 
Hebrews 12, 1-4, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Endurance. I want you to say behind your mask this morning, endurance. Endurance. I'll run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And I love this. The champion, the champion who initiates, he starts, and he perfects our faith. Man, there's so much here. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become tired and give up. (laughs) After all, you've not yet given up your lives in your struggle against sin. I mean, that's funny. You're not dead yet, is actually what he's saying. You're not dead. After all, you're not yet giving up your lives and you're struggling. Well, you're not dead. If you're dead, can you put your hand up this morning? We'll give you a free pass, okay? Put those hands down. (laughs) I play squash with a uh, French guy. In fact, I played on Thursday. I can't remember what the temperature was at 5 o'clock, but it was hot. Uh, We played squash on Thursday and I play with a French guy. Uh, and he is a lot younger than me, just had a baby boy, incredibly fit. He goes to the gym all the time. He is a specimen of a guy, and he hits the ball, and he hits the ball really hard, and he's learnt how to be sneaky. If you've ever played squash, it's about two things, sneakiness and passive-aggressive, and uh, I fit into both those categories, Uh, but he is sneaky, he is aggressive, and he is fast, and he is Super annoying. Uh, To get two or three points off him is a victory. To beat him, you post on Facebook when you beat the French guy. He looked out at my shoes about 12 months ago, and he was looking at the shoes I was wearing. They were Dunlop volleys, worn Dunlop volleys, and he said, Mark, you need better shoes. Your shoes are no good. My wife and I were driving through Bridgetown one day, and she was looking at the 17th op shop for that day, and I said, I'm going to the sports store. So I went to the sports store, and I found myself a pair of Adidas squash shoes, and I bought those shoes. I wore those shoes, and I still did not beat the French guy. But I did feel better, and I did feel some of the weight has been lifted off me. I felt a bit free. This writer of this scripture is talking to a people who are really well versed in the uh, Greco-Roman world, uh, in athletics and champions. And what they would do when they would train is they would put weights onto their body so that when the race came, they would throw the weights off and they would feel free and they would feel strong. Of course, what he's actually probably talking about here is not the weights but their clothes and they would throw their clothes off in order to compete. We're not doing that Thursday squash. Uh, But they would throw off everything in order to be totally unencumbered, in order to win the race. Because here's the thing about tiredness. It's stuff that weighs you down and is a burden in your life that is causing you to be tired causing you not to be able to fully express yourself and be everything 
There's nothing in you. It's the stuff that is on you. It's the weight and the burden that is slowing you down and causing you not to be able to run the race with all the energy that God wants to give you and for you to receive from God. It's the weight. We get distracted from Jesus and we get distracted from looking at him and there's all this other stuff in our lives that stop us. You need to ask yourself the question, if you are tired... What is the stuff that you are putting into your life? You know the answer to that question. What are the things that you have in your life that are being a burden, particularly to your spiritual life? Physical exercise is important. Being fit and healthy with the temple God has given you is important. But can I say to you that the state of your spirit is actually so much more important. Your spiritual exercise is the thing that will last and will last forever. Your spiritual life is going to determine the state of your mind. It's going to determine the state of your life. If you have a whole heap of stuff, you have sin, you have relationships that are unhealthy, you find yourself in a situation that is less than what it should be or could be according to the scriptures, that is a weight, that is a burden. And you may feel like I can put up with it. I can keep it. I can keep walking with this. I can keep going with this. I can keep surviving with this. But eventually that weight is going to drag you down. And you might blame Jesus. You might blame the church. You might blame other people. But ultimately it's your choice. The things that you are putting into your life which are a burden to you. Cheryl mentioned chapter 11 and looking back at all the heroes of the faith. All the people that have gone before and there are some really challenging stories. There's also some stories of of victory, of heroes of the faith. People that have parted the Red Sea. Women that have seen people come back to the, back from the dead to life. There's stories of Christians in that passage, or God believers in chapter 11, which stir us on and encourage us. You know, there's this picture in this scripture about a coliseum of people cheering you on. Do you know you need the church? You need the people in the church. You need to be spurred on and encouraged. You see an athlete after a game has been played and perhaps they're on TV and sometimes they'll talk about the 18th member of the team or the 23rd member of the team or whatever it happens to be. And, of course, they're talking about the crowd. And I think there's been studies and statistics that have been gone into this. I'm no expert. But they talk about the extra 5% that an athlete will gain from having people cheer them on, encourage them. You know, you just feel your spirits lift and your spirits soar. Who is it in your life that as you're living your Christian life, as you're living your story of faith, you know, as Andrew was sharing in communion time about how we need to be vulnerable and how we can come just as we are, who are you sharing your Christian story with? Do you have mentors? Do you have people that encourage you? people that speak to the truth you? Are you in a connect group? Are you with a bunch of other Christians that will spur you on and say, come on, keep going. This is not the end. Maybe you're feeling tired because you don't have people around you that are gathering you up and are your friends. People in your life that help you, encourage you. That's what the Bible writer is talking about here. 
We need people in our lives. You know, there's this false idea in churches sometimes that we need to do more, we need to be faithful, we need to just do more. We're going to get to the scripture at the end, which is just going to totally disprove that. One of the major ways our energy will be sapped is when we're in conflict with other people. This is a major burden. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 to 15. So take a new grip with your tired hands. It's just like he's speaking to people that are tired. So if you are tired and you are discouraged, there's something in the Bible for you. This is a word for you. Mark, I'm really feeling tired. I'm really feeling discouraged. I feel like I want to give up. Well, here's here's a Bible reading for you. Take a new grip with your tired hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. I mean, there's just... There's just a recognition in that little bit of scripture that this is going to be our experience at times. He's talking to believers, weak, lame, feeling tired. This is just reality, and it's going to be your reality at some point. But this is a burden. Like imagine me with a with a a thing on my back a knapsack or something on my back and you just put a massive big stone in there and I'm carrying this big burden around. That is going to make me feel tired. What is that burden? Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. Watch out so that poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. I just want to link those two thoughts living in peace and that root of bitterness. What I believe and what I've seen is if you are in conflict, particularly with other Christians, but but with anyone, and it's an unresolved conflict, it's something that hasn't been sorted out. Let me be really clear. The Bible says as much as is possible with you, be at peace with everybody. You cannot make everyone like you and you cannot make people be at peace with you. So let me just say that. But if you're holding something against someone, and I've seen this in my pastoral work and I've seen people who have that root of bitterness where they have not been able to forgive, which doesn't mean you let it happen again. It doesn't mean you don't set boundaries but I just am still angry, upset. And I'm sometimes talking to someone about something that they're sharing with me in their life. And I'm like, so was this last week or two weeks ago? No, no, this is 25 years ago. Now, some of you are going to say, but others of you need to say, "Mm, yeah, that's me. That's a hard word, right? But it's true. If you're still telling the story about something where someone offended you 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, then that burden, you have allowed that burden, you have put that burden on your back. That is a massive rock in your backpack that you are walking around with and you are not feeling free and you are not feeling joyful. Is it easy to throw that rock off? No. Is it easy to forget? No. Is it easy to forgive? No. 
which is why Jesus talks about it so much and proves how much we need forgiveness by the cross, right? And how hard it was to forgive us. But if you are still, here's the marker. If you're still talking about something that happened 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, then you are carrying around a burden which you need to let go of because that burden is making you tired and it's a poisonous root of bitterness. And that is super challenging. So the way to feel energy, the way to feel energy from, the, from God is to be at peace with people as much as is possible with you because that lack of peace is what's going to drag you down. I'm going to tell a story which I wasn't going to tell, but I want to be super vulnerable. There was a person that, as a pastor, 20 years ago, I had to deal with in a very difficult situation. And we had to discipline them. They were doing some things in the church which were really caustic and bad. I was 28 years old, had no real idea what I was doing, but we needed to do it. The other week, we were out at a restaurant we never go to, and I saw that person out of the corner of my eye. They came up to me. We chatted. Was there some great reconciliation? No. But we were able to talk. Do you know how I felt when I walked away? Did we do it perfectly? No. But just I felt, I said this, I just felt so unburdened. The burden was gone. I wonder if you feel like that. And I wonder if there's someone you need to try to make peace with. Or maybe this person I was talking about, they've, they've gone. They've gone to be with Jesus. Maybe that's your case as well. Maybe the problem is not you need to talk to them. Maybe the problem is not you need to be reconciled with them. Maybe the problem is just that you need to let that burden go and stop holding on to it. You know, there are two mountains. The writer contrasts the energy-sapping mountain with an energy-giving mountain. And in Hebrews chapter 12, 18 to 24, he des- uh, the, the writer describes two different mountains. Thank you. Oh, you have not come to a physical mountain. We have not come to a physical mountain. So think about this as I read this in terms of two different mountains. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom and whirlwind, at the, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they had heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's, com- uh, God's command. If even an animal touches this mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight of that, he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, we haven't come to that mountain. We've come to the second mountain. No, you have come to Mount Sinai, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirit of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. 
and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. So Mount Sinai was the terrifying scene that the Israelites came upon. The mountain was on fire, darkness was over it, gloom, the wind was raging, and in the midst of it was actually fear and terror. The sound of a trumpet, God's voice speaking. And the Israelites are so scared, they say, Hey Moses, this voice that we've just heard, the voice of God commanding us, you go up the mountain, Moses. We can't even take our animals to the mountain. You go up the mountain. (laughs) Pushing Moses up and out of the group. You go up. We don't want to go up. It's incredible, isn't it? If I said to you, here is an opportunity to hear the audible voice of God, if there wasn't a whole room full of hands pointing straight up to the ceiling, I don't know what. We all want to hear the voice of God. We all want to be in God's presence. He was the voice of God. He was the presence of God, and the people didn't want to go up the mountain. They did not want to go up Mount Sinai. The people put a boundary around the mountain. In order to go to a meeting, they had to abstain from a whole lot of things. They had to wash their clothes. They had to set apart God as a holy one. God is seen as fire, uncomfortable. Can I tell you something? There is a lesson from this mountain where the law was given. God is holy. God is holy. And without Jesus, unapproachable. And something to be feared. If you don't know God, if you don't have Jesus, how could you approach the mountain It's a reminder to you and to me that God takes our sin very seriously. It's not something we can just wash away. He is a holy God. And there is a lesson for the Israelites and there's a lesson for us. Mount Sinai is a reality. It was a reality. Of course, along came Mount Zion because Mount Sinai was only temporary. And Mount Mount Zion came along, and this is the destination. This is what we're running towards. This is the prize of the race. King David brought the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. He brought it into the city of Jerusalem, which was wonderful. And then Solomon came along, and the fire came down from heaven, and God's presence was in that place. It was amazing and amazing to be there. But nonetheless, it was still temporary. It still wasn't the fulfilment that we see in Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the the writer says here. The place where people come. And I was struggling to find a picture that would represent this with some sort of something you can relate to. And this is the best representation I could come up with, and it's not the best one. But I do imagine a group of people helping each other. I do imagine a group of people climbing that mountain and coming into the amazing presence of God. There were lots of pictures of people on mountains by themselves. It doesn't fit it for me. Because actually we come to Mount Zion together. It's beautiful. And we come there because of what Jesus has done. Thousands and thousands of people. Someone has written this. To come to heavenly Mount Zion is to come to a populated mountain in contrast to the uninhabited Mount Sinai. 
It is to come into the company of the otherworldly, the company of angels. It is to come into contact again with the familiar, God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven, the righteous ones. It is coming to the presence of his majesty, King Jesus, who sits in the place of honour at the right hand of God as the mediator of the new covenant. And there are millions upon millions upon millions of people there. There are people now in Jesus' presence waiting. The burden of this life replaced with the energy of what we race toward. So what are you racing toward? What is your hope? What is your belief? What are you running for? What is your life about? If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling burdened, then this morning is an opportunity to throw off some of those shackles. In a moment or two, I want us to stand and do something a little bit unusual. And you can join in if you want to. You don't have to if you don't want to. But in a moment, I'm going to put some words up on the screen which I'd like you to say as an affirmation along with me. If you feel comfortable, you can do that. But here is the verse that Andrew half-referenced in his communion talk, and just as a band is coming up. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's not the first mountain, that's the second mountain. A holy God who calls himself humble and says, come to me and find rest. You see, if you're really tired, a holiday is not necessarily going to do you any good because you've still got to live your life. What you actually need to do is to live your life unburdened. And I truly believe that there are some, maybe many, who just are feeling tired because of all the burdens that are upon their lives. So can I invite you to stand with me this morning? And I want us to do an exercise together. I'm going to say it first, and then I'd ask you to say it again with me. And these are just statements which I believe are true. And maybe you'll say them as an affirmation. Maybe you'll say them as a prayer. There is nothing I can do to save myself, so I'm going to stop trying. Let's say that together. There is nothing I can do to save myself, so I'm going to stop trying. Can we just rest in that for a moment? Stop trying. Jesus has forgiven me. Say it together. Jesus has forgiven me. One of the problems, one of the burdens some of you are feeling is because you have never forgiven yourself for things you've done wrong. You're holding things against yourself which Jesus no longer holds. He has forgiven you. 
this next one might be hard to say. I forgive those that have wronged me. Let's say it together. I forgive those that have wronged me. I let the past go. Let's say it together. I let the past go. And I accept the joy, the peace, and the energy that Jesus offers. Let's say that together. I accept the joy, peace, and energy that Jesus offers. Lord, this morning, may all those words be true of every person in this room. May we be unburdened by those things that have caught our attention for too long. Father, forgive us for all our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know you have forgiven us. Lord, as we forgive those that have sinned against us, Lord, we let that burden go. Father, I pray for every soul, every person that is tired, every person that has just had enough. May they sense and know the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit in their lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.